Father, just thank you for every brilliant person you've gathered this morning. Thank you that there is full life in each of us. Thank you that you dwell in each of us and we have the ability to bring heaven to earth. Lord, we want to embrace that opportunity, Father God. Live the fullest life ourselves and demonstrate heaven on earth for anyone who's watching. So I declare freedom over your church right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, turn to two people and say, this is going to be good. The vast majority of you will know that we've been doing a, a theme, a series of messages to which we are calling the Spirit of Adventure. You'll see a ship, a boat come up on the screen in a second. And the title, the name of this boat is The Spirit of Adventure. It's where we got the idea from. And the concept is, is that it's a multiple sailed boat. And that as each sail is raised, the wind gets into the sails and takes it on its journey quicker. Um, we're saying that every spiritual principle that you find in the Bible, in effect, is a sail. And as you agree with that, you are raising the sail. The great thing is that Jesus loves you so much that he gives you choice. He doesn't dictate to you, you will do this, you will say that, you will think like this, you will look like that. He, he lays down his principles in his word and says, choose. And as you make a choice, what we're saying is, in effect, metaphorically, you're raising a sail. And as you raise a sail in agreement with God's word, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, can get into that sail and take you on a journey. What we've been finding as we've had various prayer meetings, that lots of people are living in the harbor. And it's a safe place. But although it's a safe place, you're never going to have an adventure. You're never going to step into fullness. And we need to get ourselves out of the harbor, raise the sails, and let Jesus take us where he wants to take us. And then you'll have a story to tell. Who wants to get to the end of their life, look back and go, that was safe? Or who wants to get to the end of their life, look back and go, wow, I had some ups and downs, but wow, my God came through every single time. And that's the life I want to live. It's the life I want to talk about. And I think it's the life that demonstrates heaven. And you have an opportunity to say yes to that life. And so we've talked about all kinds of different principles. You can hear them. Go on if you've got a podcast app or you can go on the website and find them and catch up with them. But God is stirring his church. I've heard some feedback from some of the... Um, Connect groups where they discussed it and people are saying, yeah, actually it stopped me doing this and I've started to do that and I'm thinking differently and I'm approaching situations differently. God is moving in his people and as you keep doing it, your life will become fuller. Amen? Okay, it's based on this uh, passage here, John 10, 10, very famous passage. I'm hoping by now you can almost tell me what this one says. Jesus speaking, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. It's always been Jesus' concept to give you the best life now. He wants you to live a full life now. But we are spiritual people living in spiritual dynamics. And there is always, always, always a thief, the devil, coming in to try and steal that fullness. And that's where we get these choices. Do you choose the fullness of Jesus or do you choose the death of the devil? And we always choose, and you always choose. And sometimes the reality is we don't make the right choice. But isn't it great that every day is a new day? And you get up in the morning and say, today I choose life. Today I choose to implement the, the, the principles that we've been talking about in church, and it aligns with Jesus. And he says that will lead you into the fullest life. Who wants that? Is there anyone in the house today? Who wants that? Yeah, we're allowed to be loud today, so it's all good. It's all good. Okay, so today I want to talk about, and my title is, How Are You Steering? Turn to the person next to you and say, How Are You Steering? Let's get a bit vocal in the house today. 
the great thing is that we get an opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit to agree with Jesus and steer our life. As we're putting up sails, there's a rudder. And I want to say that that rudder is the words that come out of your mouth. I want to talk to you today about the state of your tongue. Because there are so many biblical principles that speak about the tongue. If you do a Google search, Google's such a great thing, isn't it? Anything you want to find out in the whole world is on there. I don't know who puts them up there, but someone has. But you type in words, what the Bible says about words, what the Bible says about the tongue. There are loads and loads and loads and loads. And my understanding, if God says something once in his word, it's worth taking note of it. If he says it twice, you really need to take note of it. If he says it hundreds of times, he's trying to say something. Some of us, are, you know, include myself, are so dopey sometimes. You read it and go, that's nice. It's not nice. It's a truth that I need to live by. And when he says it tens and tens and tens of times, take note. And he talks about the tongue and the words that come out of your mouth so many times, we need to grab it. So ask yourself this question. What's coming out of your mouth? And it's so, so important. Have a look at this in James 3, verses 3 through 10. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships. I couldn't write this stuff, could I? Or take ships as an example. The spirit of adventure. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a, is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Quite joyous, this one, isn't it? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and, it, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. There is a great challenge here for us to decide, and you get to decide, how you're going to speak. And the word says, and it's so brilliant, it's talking about a ship, that what comes out of your mouth is steering your life. So we're getting sails up and agreeing with principles, but now we need to steer well. Are you understanding the principle? It's a Jesus-given principle. It's a Bible principle, and we need to grasp it. The truth is, we live in a world today where everyone loves to stick in their two penneth worth. How many people in your life do you know want to chip in and share their opinion with you? You've got something going on, you're a clever person, you're wrestling with it, but so-and-so thinks they know best, and they always want to tell you about it. Anyone know someone like that? Are you someone like that? Controversial. But we live in this society where people want to talk and share their opinion and gossip and declare what's right and wrong in their own eyes. My understanding is this, that God gave us two ears and one mouth. And I think he did that on purpose. We should be listening twice as much as we're talking. The reality is we probably talk five times as much as we listen. And today God is saying, come on then church, will you agree with my principles? Can you shift the way you are living life because it will lead to fullness? Are you hearing me? Let me show, chuck you a couple of verses here. Uh, Psalm 141 verse 3 says this. <coughs> Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, shut me up. 
Stop me from banging on all the time. Let me pause and consider. The way of the world is just to keep talking and talking and talking and they become wise in their own eyes and they're talking drivel. How many people do you know in life who just keep talking in the end it's just like, what on earth? Just shut up. But in the end, we become like that if we're not careful. Next verse says this in Proverbs 13, verse 3, it says this. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. But those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Do you think God's trying to say something? Everyone take a pause and consider what is coming out of your mouth because it will preserve your life. This is God's principle, not mine. And if we can grasp it, what the Bible says, it begins to steer your ship and it will steer you into fullness. God is saying special stuff to you today and we need to grasp it. This is the absolute classic for me. Proverbs 18 verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Therefore, if what's coming out of your mouth is life, you will eat life. If what's coming out of your mouth is death, you will eat death. And it's your choice. But God has given these principles to us so that we can grasp them, implement them, and steer our life well. So when you look at your life on average, Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? And you're speaking one of them. And you're speaking it over yourself. You're speaking it over other people. And you're speaking it into situations. Your mouth, whether you realize it or not, is guiding your ship. And I think it's worth a pause on a Sunday morning and say, Lord, give me a revelation. Amen. Turn to someone and say, this is good. There's two key areas I want to look at this morning. The first one is that words are creative. And the second one is that words affect behavior. In Genesis 1, I'm not going to bring these on the screen, but you can look for yourself. God said, let there be light. And there was. He said, let there be waters. And there were. He said, let there be land. And there was. He spoke things into being. God was demonstrating right at the beginning of it all the power of words. He didn't get there and go, ooh, I think I'm going to do this. He said it. He spoke it as if it was, and it was. God's words were creative. See, if you think about it, what he was speaking into existence was the environment that we live in. He spoke the planet into being, and we can live in that environment. Now, me and you aren't God, but we are made in the image of God. We are like God. I cannot say, let there be a tree. It's embarrassing now. Tree! I can't do that. You can't do that. But I can speak and create an environment. You see, you come to our home, Sarah and I, and we have created an environment that we live in. And it's an environment of love, acceptance, of hope. It's an environment where there's faith. It's a good environment. Some of that is because Sarah loves stuff. She loves furniture, she loves cover, colours, she likes detail. When you walk into our home, it's a nice home. I can't take any credit for that at all. Sarah is good at that stuff and that creates an environment. But the atmosphere that we live in is because of the way we speak. And the way we speak, on the whole, and we're not perfect, don't get me wrong, there are moments, mainly from Sarah. <laughs> she knew it was coming. So predictable. There are moments where we don't get it wrong. But isn't it good that it's a new day? 
And when God talks about new day, he's not even talking about tomorrow. This second's a new day. But the moment I say, sorry, I got that wrong, it's a new day. God loves us that much. But we, on the whole, speak life into our home. And that enables our marriage to be in an environment where it can survive, where it can grow, where it can flourish, where it can be full. It allows our children to grow up in an environment where they can learn and make mistakes and grow. And it's okay because we love them. We've created an environment through our words. Do you see that? Here at Kesed Church, we have created an environment through our words. So often in the service, and I know it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but I will say things like, go and say to someone, so glad you're here. Today's service is better because you're here. You're creating an environment. You don't realize it, but you're creating an environment by your words. So glad you made it. I'm glad I'm sat next to you. What is that doing on the inside of that person? And what is that doing in the environment we're living in here? When someone walks in the door, you're like, oh, so glad you made it. Is it your first time? What you're saying is creating an environment. And we've been doing this for nearly 12 years. And I believe the environment we have here is good. But it's partly, not totally, but partly to do with the way we speak. And you can all give yourselves a round of applause because you speak well. So give yourselves a clap. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says this. <coughs> the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You see, I could bring up verse after verse after verse. I'm not going to, but there are lots of them. And when you look at them, you go, yeah, that's so true. You see, when you speak life into someone, it's like this is a tree and I can grow and flourish and bear through fruit. But when you pull someone down, you crush people. And there is truth in that. I bet everyone here at some point in their life has been crushed by words. There's that silly phrase, and it sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is complete toot. Words hurt. Words hurt more than sticks and stones. Because you get hit in the mush by a stone, you'll cut, you'll bruise, and it will heal. You get words spoken over you, they can stick with you for a lifetime but we have a healing God. Words are powerful. Words are powerful in marriages. You set an environment. Daniel and Sarah aren't here today. You know, she's, she's preaching. Sarah, if you listen to this podcast, I hope you're going well. But I have known Daniel, I've known Daniel all his life, funnily enough. <laughs> Daniel and Sarah met when they were about 13 years old. I think they were, might have even been each other's first boyfriend, girlfriend. They're a unique couple. They've been married. They're in their 18th year of marriage. And I can tell you the truth. I have never, never heard them speak negatively of each other. Ever. That is unique. They never speak ill of each other. Ever. It's like, wow. But what are they doing? They're creating an environment for their marriage to succeed and be full and have life. You will never hear them speak ill of each other. You know what's going to happen next week now. They're going to bowl in and absolute tear a strip off each other. But you can see the point I'm trying to make, and I'm going to keep driving this home. When you speak, it is having an effect. You are creating an environment for yourself to live in. Anyone give me a wave if you've heard Pete Brandy's preach at church. Quite a few people. I love it when Pete gets up, and every time without fail, he will, he will praise Emily. He will cry, someone said. <laughs> Pete, if you heard that, that was Azealia who said that. <laughs> you can get a later. Pete's not here today, but I'm sure he'll listen to the podcast. But he gets up 
And he praises M. He says, you know, so much of what I'm able to do is because of M. M's done this, M's done that. And it's awesome. And maybe the guys are sitting there going, oh, cringe. But what's he doing? He is creating an environment through his words for his marriage to succeed. How does that affect M? How does she feel when her husband publicly says, I'm awesome. I love her. It's creating an environment and it's powerful. I don't know whether Pete was doing that on purpose based on this principle or just because he genuinely loves his wife and wants to esteem her. Probably a bit of both. But you can see the point I'm making. Your words create environment. You can't create stuff, but you can create environment. And you need to create an environment that is good. How would the environment be if he got up and said, that M, she's such a disappointment. She just needs to work a bit harder get out of bed in the morning, improve her cooking. <laughs> what environment would that be creating? And you, because you're chuckling, you know that is creating an environment, isn't it? What's he going home to? The thick clan, not a wife. <laughs> but are you grabbing the point? Your words create an environment, and it's an environment of life, or it's an environment of death. And you get to choose. And my hope, church, is that as a part of this spirit of adventure, we would agree with that principle and shift our language all of the time to promote life. Amen? You speak over yourself and create an environment for yourself to live in. I want to encourage you to be speaking words of hope, expectation, and vision through faith. You see, if God's placed a dream in your heart, and I believe he has, you can know that that's from God. And so when you speak into that, you're not just saying gobbledygook. You're agreeing with heaven. So you can speak into your life fully assured that you will see it. Or you can speak negatively and you'll never see it because the thief is stealing it. But your words are powerful. For instance, here at Kesed Church, God has given us a vision to be a numerically large church that will impact this town with the love of Jesus. And you will always hear me say, we are growing. We will be a big church. The number on our church is going to be 7,000. I've spoken those things time and time and time again. And although that's not where we are right now, I'm agreeing with heaven and we will walk into that because of the environment I'm creating through my words. It's agreement. It's not me just... Naming and claiming. I don't believe in naming and claiming. But I'm agreeing with heaven and declaring what is true in heaven so that I will walk into it. So we, we will be a numerically large church. It's going to happen. It's so funny because I was watching people arrive and there's lots and lots and lots of people who waited there. And I thought I'm going to stand up and go, we're going to be a great big church and no one's here. <laughs> but it was, it, you know, it's fair play. All the good looking ones came. That's all that matters. And, uh, but... But it doesn't matter what I see, it's what he's put in my heart. And as I speak into that through faith, expectation rises in me. It creates an environment where we say, come on, we're pushing into that. If we got up each week and said, we're struggling, aren't we? Oh, we're a bit rubbish. I'm not surprised no one comes. We would be speaking death and eventually it would fizzle out. And I believe there's probably churches and other groups that speak like that. And then at the end of it, we'll go, I can't believe we failed. But your words are Powerful. What is your dream? Is someone's dream here that you will one day be married? Good dream to have. So what's your language around that dream? Is your language, oh, it's never me. 
so-and-so's getting married again. Shock, it's not me. Been waiting for ages. Not sure it's ever going to happen. Oh, I think I'm just giving up. There are people who speak like that. What environment are you creating? What is going on the inside of you when you speak like that? The thief, I believe, is destroying and he's doing it through your own words because they're powerful. You could say, I'm content, I'm happy, and I'm preparing myself. I know that my God is preparing my partner somewhere. I know it's happening because I believe it. And I'm going to keep upbeat and I'm going to keep presenting myself well because I don't know where he or she, when he or she is going to walk in the door, but I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to live like that. The amount of young people I've met who, who start, you know, not looking after themselves, not, you know, not smelling nice, you know, stuff going on. And then the person they've been dreaming of walks in the door and they're in absolute state. Because they didn't believe in their heart that it was going to happen for them and they probably started speaking that way and when said person arrived, they weren't ready. Whereas actually, if you say, God's put a dream in my heart that I'm not going to be on my own forever, so I'm going to live like that, I'm going to speak like that, and I'm going to prepare like that. When someone arrives, you are ready. They are going to be like, I'm having you, baby. (laughs) But it's all to do with what's going on here, here, and then here. We need to speak as though it is. We'll probably sing that song in later. Prophesy like it's done. If God has put it in your heart and it's from him, and two or three have agreed it's from him, speak it. You're not going to speak a tree into existence, but you can speak into your future that you will walk into it. You're creating an environment of faith through your words. And it's important. Your day will come. You can apply that same principle to any area of your life whether it be your finances, your health, your business, your family, whatever it might be, speak into it. If you know the Father's got something better for you than where you're at now, speak into it. Create an environment of faith and live like it. And you will see it. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're going to see it. How are you steering? The biggest question is, are you speaking life or are you speaking death? And whatever your balance is, because you're probably speaking a bit of both right now, can we start tipping the balance towards life? And when you know that you've said something of death, you can't take it back. It's come out. But you can say, I repent, Lord God. Just nullify that one. And then it's a new day. Just something that I believe is prevalent today that wasn't prevalent when this was written. Facebook and Twitter. Social media. I've got a thousand friends on my Facebook because I'm that flipping popular. (laughs) I don't hardly know any of them, to be honest. (laughs) But I like the way it connects me. You know, I stay in touch with some of my pastor friends in New Zealand and Germany and around the world and some of my old friends. It's just nice to stay. I like it. I know there are positives and negatives about Facebook, but I choose the positives. But the thing is, if you're having a difficult moment, so many people put a rant. Anyone read a a Facebook rant? Here's the difficulty with Facebook rants. If you've got 1,000 friends and 500 people read that, That is the equivalent of you saying that rant 500 times. Therefore, 500 times you've spoken death. I want to encourage you today to make a choice never to have a Facebook rant. Never. Because you're speaking and creating an environment around your life which the the devil is using as a thief. Everyone's seeing it. And if they show their friends, the numbers are going up and you've only said it once But it's like you've said it 500 times. Do you understand the principle? I believe that's true. So how about you don't have a rant and instead you choose life and you put something positive 
over your life, over your friends, over your family, over your situation. Because when 500 people read that, it's like you said it 500 times. And it creates an environment. Because those people then talk about you. Oh, when Barry ever puts anything on Facebook, which isn't very often, by the way, it's always positive. People start talking about me, which adds to my environment. Or do they say, every time Barry speaks, God, he's so negative. And then they speak negativity over me, and it's adding to my environment because words are powerful. So can I encourage you? Don't do it, church! You are speaking and creating an environment. Second part is this. Words affect behavior. And I want to show you what God did right at the beginning in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. You see, God spoke to himself, and what he spoke over himself then affected his behavior. He said, let's do it, and then he did it. What are you speaking over yourself? Because what you speak over yourself will affect how you live and how you behave. God demonstrated it right in Genesis 1. It's still true today. And I want to encourage you, church, speak well of yourself. Because it will affect how you behave. I just wonder how many people have have got a, a dream in their life. But the words they use over themselves are, I'm unhappy. It will never happen for me. I can't do that. And what you're doing is you're speaking over yourself and it will affect your behavior. When you enter a new friendship, a new relationship, go for a job interview, it will affect how you behave there based on what you've said earlier. Whereas if you say, do you know what? I've got every chance of getting this job. God's given me something. I'm a good person. They'd be fortunate to have me, quite frankly. When you go in there, that is what you give off. Then you might get the job because it affects your behavior. Do you know, if you do meet said person in your life you're hoping to meet, and actually all you've done is speak negatively of yourself, when you enter that relationship, that's how you're going to behave. Whereas actually, if you're positive about yourself, when you step into that relationship, what they see is, wow, I love their confidence. The stuff that's coming out of them is really attractive to me. Because you've spoken over yourself, and it affects your behavior. Where are your words steering your life? You are able. How about I'm content? Maybe not everything in my life was where I want it to be, but my language is I'm content. But I live with an expectation of God taking me somewhere into fullness. But here's the thing I really want to speak into today. Your words are powerful over someone else's behavior. And they're particularly powerful if you are someone meaningful in their life. If your parents speak into your life, that's powerful. I wonder how many people are sat here today who've had a dad or a mum speak negatively over their life consistently. What has that done to who you've become and how you behave? I wonder how many people have had a teacher speak positively over your life and suddenly you flourish in that given subject because they're people who are meaningful in your life and therefore what they say over you carries weight and it's powerful. And I wonder where that's taken you and then how that will affect you when you become someone meaningful. What are you going to speak out? You know, parents in particular have the ability through their words to cause their children to soar 
will cause their children never to get off the ground by the way they speak. You can do it. You make me proud. That was so awesome. Or, that's a shock. You didn't succeed. Last again. Need to try harder. When your parents use language, either way, it is powerful. You know, what is great for us as the lead family is here is you're watching our life pan out. We can't make it up. You're seeing it. I can't go home and tell the kids and say, uh, right, when we get to church, all act differently, right? All act really good so that they all think we're brilliant. Children just don't do that, do they? I'm sure we've all had a moment where the children have really embarrassed us. But that's a moment. But we all get to see what's the average. And the great thing for us right now, we're in this period where Josh has started drumming. Give a wave, you've seen Josh drum. He's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. Now, part of the reason he can get up and drum is because he's got some talent. And Dan and my brother Michael have given him some coaching. Part of the reason he can get up there is because he's got some talent. But part of the reason he can get up there is because he believes he can. And the reason he believes he can is because Sarah and I just say, go on, Josh, you've got this. And a 12-year-old boy will get up in front of 200 people and drum with complete confidence. Last week, we had some guests here, and they went up to him and went, that was amazing. And just like, thanks. <laughs> but the reason he will soar is because the important people in his life are saying, you can do it. Because our words affect his behavior. My daughter Evie, I can say she's beautiful because I believe she is. But because I say it, she believes it. And so she will go through life. She will never settle for a second best man ever because she believes she's the best. And the reason she believes the best is because we keep telling her she is. And so she will behave like that. Can you get the principle that words affect other people? I had a situation... Um, I'm going to give you another football story. You know, God, God took me on a football journey, and uh, I hope you can all relate to it. I got signed from a, a relatively small club into a relatively big club. I went to Dagenham and Redbridge, and um, I was training with them, and, and they're very good players. Um, some of them earning lots of money, much bigger crowds. I've got to sign autographs and all those things. I, I stepped into that environment, and I was nervous. You know, I'd come from a small club, and I wanted to impress. I was talented. I could play, but I was nervous. And the head coach there came, and he wasn't a nice man, if I'm brutally honest. He was an old-school footballer, and his way was to, to knock you down, and he thought that was making you tougher. But real managers know that some people respond to that, but some people respond to praise, and the art of management is to know who's who. And I was in that environment where, actually, I just needed a bit of encouragement. I'm not a, a wimpy guy who needs to be told I'm great all the time, although feel free. Um, <laughs> uh, need to be told I'm great all the time, but... But I, at that point in my life, right there and right then, I could have done with some encouragement. I was a young lad stepping into a much bigger environment than I was used to. And I was very, very fast and very, very tricky. So I dribbled with the ball. I could sell you a dummy and go past you. I'll probably show I.O. next week, whenever it is. And, um, <laughs> and I'll go past you. But what was happening is I was getting to the point where I was crossing the ball and we had these brilliant center forwards waiting for the ball to come in and, and smash it in the net. And I kept putting it behind the goal. So I got all the way up to the crowd like, yeah, go look at him go. He's brilliant. Oh as I put it off the pitch. And it became a bit of a thing. And I did it maybe three times in one match. And in the next training session in front of all the team, the manager said to me, Barry, can't you cross? You've got to cross better than that. And he really dug it, dug me out. And his words affected my behavior. I was a good crosser of the ball all my career. And then suddenly, because of his words and the environment, I kind of lost it a little bit. It affected my behavior. 
Now, praise God, I've got a family at home and my parents prayed with me and dad encouraged me and got around me and I got through it. Three or four games, I was back on doing it and it's fine. But I know for me in that place, that man's word affected my behavior, even though I was gifted enough to be better. And I wonder how many people here are so gifted, but you're not behaving like you're gifted because someone meaningful spoke over you and it's stuck. And you're living beneath the fullness that Jesus came for because a thief has stolen it from you. But here's the great thing. Jesus got back up and said, I've got it all in my hands and now I give you authority. Take it back. See, I want to see people leave this building today able to step into who they really are despite what has happened before. Whatever has been spoken over you before cannot stick. Words sow a seed. There's a great thing in football that if you can see the penalty, there's that nervy moment and Brilliant football players have missed penalties. You've got the crowd in front of you, the TV cameras. And this is what people will do. And you're going to see it now. I've said this on TV. Someone will always go up to the penalty taker. And they'll go, you're going to miss this. It's sowing a seed. Because what you're doing is getting in his head. It's almost like psychological warfare. But it's powerful. Because if he receives that, how's he going to behave? Now, the great thing is now, from this moment on, you will leave this building and there will be people who speak negativity over your life. It's going to happen because they've got the choice to do that. But you have the choice whether to receive it or not. You see, God's given us a shield. And when people speak into your life and you go, what a load of rubbish, you go, I'm putting my shield up. I don't receive it. Protecting my heart and my mind. I'm praying it away and I move forward. But if you allow that in... It just gets in your head and it affects you. And sometimes in the football context, weak players put the ball down more than capable of scoring the goal. You go up to them and they go, you're going to miss this, mate. Seen you last week, you're rubbish. They go up and they're all legit and they sky over the bar and you go, oh, I told you. I told you so. Because words are powerful. Here's the thing, particularly thinking of, of, of children now. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, I believe it will come on the screen. God says, speak the truth in love. Here's where parents in particular don't speak the truth. Any people who watch X Factor, give me a wave if you're an X Factor person. There's a few people in the building. How many of them, how many of you enjoy the, the, the first bit where you get the mix of really talented people and really not so talented people? That bit's quite fun, isn't it? It's almost become a bit, oh, something goes off in me. It's like, oh, we're laughing at them now, and that's not really great, but it's still kind of funny. <laughs> Do you know? And you get some girl, she'll come in and, and she'll get in front of me. It must be nerve I can stand there. And, and she'll sing worse than me. And you get all the judges looking at each other and they'll say this. Who told you you could sing well? Well, my mum and my nan, they think I'm amazing. And what happened is they're not speaking the truth. And she believes it. And all they've really done is said what she wants to hear and set her up for a fail. Nationally. Where's what you'd be... <laughs> a little rumble going around the room right now. My dad said I could preach. I better get off, wouldn't I? <laughs> Speak the truth in love. Wouldn't it be kinder to say to that young girl, I love the way you sing. It's great. But probably you're better in this. Find what she is good at. And promote that. There are ways of speaking that it comes from a heart of love. Don't tell a lie. You're an amazing singer when she's useless. I'm not a good singer. Sarah is. I'm not a good drummer. Josh is. I can rattle on a little bit. Some of you can't. 
But we've all got our thing. But when you speak the truth in love, you're setting people up for a win. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I'm not asking you to be all positive about every area of life if it's not true. I hope I'm building up a big biblical picture for you. Here's the key. Luke 6, verses 45. <coughs> a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speak, speaks what the heart is full of. The issue with what's coming out of your mouth is what's going on in your heart. See, whatever's going on in your heart will inevitably eventually come out of your mouth. And the truth is, hurting hearts often use words to hurt others. But loved hearts often use words to love on others. And so really what's coming out of your mouth is really telling you what's going on in your heart. And so the great thing is, we stand before the great healer today who can heal your heart. And I believe you'll see a change in your language. How many parents are frustrated by their own life and speak to their children out of that frustration and destroy their children's lives? And it's not because they don't love them. It's because what's going on in their heart is frustration, and so what's coming out of their mouth is frustration, and it's destroying the behavior of their children who end up frustrated. And the cycle goes around. But Jesus came to break the cycle because he can. How many boyfriends who have been disappointed and hurt in previous relationships speak over their current girlfriend to keep her down because they don't want to be disappointed again? And so she can't be who she really is because of the hurt of his past, which is coming out of his mouth because of the condition of his heart. All you girls out there in particular, because I believe this is how so many boys behave, look at their heart. If what's coming out of their mouth is continually putting you down, do you want to be in that relationship? Do you need to make a choice? Because what's coming out of their mouth is saying something about what's going on here. And you need to be wise. Isn't it lovely to be around people who are at peace with themselves because they're able to encourage you. When you get yourself right here, what comes out of here is always pleasant. You get around someone who says, you can do that, go for it, or don't do that. I can't see that working out well, but how about this? They speak good things into your life because their heart is in a good place. And it's encouraging to be around people like that, to correct your speech you must address your heart. So the question remains, how are you steering? What is coming out of your mouth? And what is it saying about your heart? If you're not speaking on the whole, if you're not speaking good things, what's happened? What happened to you? Were you put down? Were you discouraged? Is someone meaningful in your life? Say something over you that's stuck. Because I don't believe you're, anyone here is negative. I don't believe anyone here should be living under the fullness Jesus came for. But if we are, why? And are we prepared to address that question? And today I believe what God's highlighting to us is what was said over you. What was continually spoken over you? Who said it? And can we break it? Because healed hearts will speak healing to others. And that is where God wants us to live. We today get the choice. We get to choose carry on as it is, this is my lot in life, or actually, no, 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 my God can heal me. And I'm going to choose to start changing my language because it will affect my environment, it will affect my behavior, and it will affect the behavior of others. Our next sale 
on this spirit adventure is to tame the tongue. The Bible says it's really hard to do. But are we up for a challenge? Are we up to say, well, I'm going to try my best. And God, if I do my best, will you do the rest? I'm going to get alongside three or four people in my life and say, you know, if you hear me speaking and it's not good, tell me. Because you'll be telling me the truth in love. I trust you. Are you going to start speaking into your marriage so that it creates an environment of love and hope and expectation? Are you going to speak into your friend's life to say you can do that? Are you going to speak over your children to bring life? Are you going to keep your shield up? Because there will still be people who will speak negative over you. It's going to happen. But you don't have to receive it because your heart is full of life and it has to bounce off you. And sometimes we need to be strong. But there is choice. And I love the fact that God calls us into church and we get to do this stuff together. So how about you stand up because I'd love to pray for you. you just to close your eyes for a moment just as we allow the Holy Spirit to minister just wonder if there's anyone here today who knows that they've spoken negatively and, and possibly affected someone else and you just thought wow could have done better there just wherever I close, if, if you've spoken something over someone and you want to say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, just give me a raise of hands. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you there. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. So many honest people. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm sure there's more. Bless you. Well, Father God, I just pray for every person here who is just acknowledging, yeah, I've said stuff. It's probably been hurtful. But we repent. We turn away from that now and we choose not to live like that anymore. And we declare that that person it's affected will be set free in Jesus' name from any of the words we've spoken over them that have caused harm. I encourage you today, right now it's probably a bit embarrassing, but maybe when you get home, whoever that person is or whoever those people are, speak it out, speak life to them because you're changing their atmosphere. You can correct it. When you meet with them, if you're still in contact with them, choose to be over-the-top positive about them because you're bringing a different balance. Jesus. Uh, is there anyone here today who's listened to this message and thought, yeah, today I'm going to make a choice to embrace this message and put it into my life. That I am going to choose today to walk forward and, and, and tame my tongue speak well of people and situations create environments affect behaviors that will pertain to life if you want to make a decision like that with me today just raise both hands and we're going to pray together i hope it's lots of people yes it's lots of people awesome bless you guys bless you guys i'm going to pray a prayer and then i'm just going to invite you if you want to just to say amen at the end father god thank you that we have choice Thank you, Lord God, that you've highlighted to us today uh, this, on this spirit adventure that's a razor sail of taming the tongue. We choose today to speak life and only life. We choose today to be an encouragement and to be a, a loving person. We choose today to, to be a kind of person that others want to be around because of what we say. Lord, we're sorry that we've not lived like that till now, but today's a new day and I choose to line up with your thought process and all God's people said Amen, Amen, Amen let's just 
Just take one more moment. I just believe there are actually lots of people here today who have been affected by words. Whether it be from your family, whether it be from your teachers, whether it be from your friendship group or someone that's important to you. But as I've been talking, you know in your heart that you've been affected. And that difficult things have been said to you and it's stuck. Is that you today? Just put your hand up because I want to pray. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.